0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Full Court Press has the latest news and opinions from men's and women's college basketball. Our hosts are John Fanta, who calls games all around the country for Fox Sports and others, and Kim Adams, an analyst for Fox and ESPN, and a former D1 baller who never saw a three-point opportunity she didn't like. If you don't believe me, check her Twitter page. Take it away, guys.
0: It's Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams on this Monday, July 20th, 2020. For those wondering, my co-host Kim Adams, she will certainly be back with us soon enough. Kim is hard at work on some different things this summer, but uh, you could definitely stay tuned for her down the road. But I'm John Fanta coming to you from the west side of Cleveland, and this week's guest is Seton Hall head coach Kevin Willard. Now, what Willard's done at Seton Hall, pretty special, five straight 20-plus win seasons. He was in the news, though, and this story's gone national over the weekend, and that is his proposal to not forego playing college basketball in November and December. We've heard of that January 1st proposed date, but Zach Braziller of the New York Post got Willard for an exclusive over the weekend, and Willard says that he believes that college basketball would be missing a window in November and December if games were not played. Willard said, quote, every school has said after Thanksgiving there will be no one on campus, so why would we not take advantage of having no one on campus? It's almost like being in a bubble and being able to have almost no interaction with any of the students. It's probably the safest time to play. He then goes on to say, sitting back and waiting for flu season, we, we know that when kids come back in January, February, that's when the flu can roll. He says, quote, sitting back and waiting for flu season and waiting for kids to come back on campus is idiotic end quote so Willard is certainly transparent on his beliefs he wants to see college basketball get played as soon as possible of coach of course any coach does but the thought in mind from some coaches like Rick Patino Willard's former boss Willard was an assistant under Patino uh, like Jay Wright at Villanova who's brought up that January 1st might be the most likely solution the thought in mind from Willard is the opposite, that you could take advantage of the time window. We had the Seton Hall head coach on earlier this week, talked about that and what his players are actually thinking about playing during a pandemic. He will enter his 11th year at Seton Hall as the head coach of the Pirates, who would have been on their way to a fifth straight NCAA tournament. That would have been the first time in program history that Seton Hall basketball has achieved that feat with the way the season ended with COVID-19. Now the Pirates will look to do that in 2020-21, and we're joined by the head coach of the hall, Kevin Willard now. And Kevin, we speak to you here on this Monday, July 20th, the first day that you were allowed to be back with your players again with workouts. What was it like getting back with your team today?
2: Oh, Johnny, I'll be honest with you, it was great. Um, You know, it it was, I think it, it was really great for them mentally um it really g- gave them a sense of normalcy um it just gave you know it was amazing you know just to, to see their body language to see the smiles, to see uh their energy come back um you know so for me uh, and the way i've i've been looking at this uh for this workout for you know the rest of july and august is really for them is really for a mental health standpoint it just i could just see it in the first two minutes we started doing drills so we for me, I, I've had the biggest smile on my face all day. It's just so great to be back with them on the court, not seeing them on a Zoom call. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was fantastic.
0: Throughout all this adversity with the, the long layoff coach and, and you talk about that mental health aspect of not being able to see your guys, what have you learned about your players during these times?
2: Well, I've, I've always known how resilient they are. Um, they're a great group of young men. Um, but I think, you know, just, just, you know, how tough and resilient and focused they were during this whole time, you know, um, there was a lot of phone calls and zoom calls and text and just, you know, there was, there was a lot of up and downs and they're still up and downs. Um, but I think, you know, all of them as a group, um, I was just so impressed how they all stayed connected, um, how they all uh were there for each other for me um, not only was i there for them but they were there for me when i was you know having some down times so uh, i just think you know what a great group they are how resilient they are uh, and how close they are
0: did anybody come back with a transformed body or a new haircut or something special unique
2: <laughs> no i mean to be honest you know the, you know just about you know all of them did a pretty good job the best they can to getting into gyms and doing push-ups and the best they can but you know we had a lot of guys that didn't have the opportunity couldn't get into a gym um, so a lot of them are detrained and that's you know something that we're really watching we're we're kind of going into workouts very slowly um, making sure that we don't overwork them we don't overtrain them kind of you know almost starting from scratch to kind of build up their the cardiovascular to build up the basketball and make sure that we're doing it the right way because, you know, March 10th is a long, long way away.
0: Seton Hall head coach Kevin Willard is our guest. And Kevin, it was the news in college basketball over the weekend that generated a lot of buzz. You talking about the potential of utilizing the window where campuses are shut down to students and maximizing that time to try to get college basketball games in after Thanksgiving and into December, rather than your players going back home, using that time to get games in. How has this proposal been received by the Big East?
2: Oh well, geez, I don't know, Johnny. Um I had a good weekend. My my kid had a baseball tournament this weekend, so I really didn't have my phone on unless it was one of my players. Um so I don't know really how it was perceived. I just you know, when I was talking to Zach and we were talking about um, you know, ideas for the season, um I think the the great thing about the Big East is we have great leadership. Um Val Ackerman and Stu Jackson are, I think are two of the sharpest minds in in college sports and I think they're being very proactive in not just, you know, my idea but a uh, hundred ideas, you know, playing regular, playing, you know, modified. Um, I think the great thing about basketball is that we have some time where um, we could see what's going on. You know, are, are we going to get uh, new testing, you know, rapid response tests that could be a game changer for everybody? Are we going to get, uh, you know, is there going to be something different? So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of options on the table. Um, and I think, you know, the great thing about the Big East, uh, we have, we have some great leadership. And I think, you know, right now, more than anything, uh, my idea was trying to get conversation about, you know, um, you know, I, I'd heard a lot about January 1st or spring, and it just didn't make sense to me concerning the fact that, you know, we do have a lot of time. We always have a lot of time in basketball um, when we're on campus by ourselves. And it always seems to be the one time that my guys don't get sick. Um, you know, they, they have a chance uh, to kind of just isolate. So, Uh, I think we're in good hands and I just think, you know, we just need to be a little bit more proactive and not reactive.
0: Do you think that conference only is
2: the route here? Uh, I do. I do think that uh, there has to be some uniformity in, in the way you are protecting and testing for your players. Uh, I think that is kind of what I was at. Um, Zach and I were talking about um, not, not, not having a non-conference, but making sure that um, there's uniformity. You can't go play somebody um, that's not doing the strict protocols that we are doing. Um, it's not it's not safe for your players. It's not safe for your staff. Or, and most importantly, it's not safe safe for your university. You know, if you go travel someplace and then you come back and you know you don't know what they've been doing, um, you've now introduced you know a, a whole set set of different standards. So. I think the biggest thing, no matter who you play, is that you have to have the same, uh, same set of standards of safety for your players.
0: For our listeners, that's Zach Braziller from the New York Post. Uh, you can read his piece, nypost.com. He covers all of Metropolitan Hoops. And, uh, Kevin, I know that you're an avid Page Six New York Post reader, but uh, that, that, <laughs> that story in, in sports was, the, was, I think, it Trump Page Six just for the weekend.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I you know, I, I think that I think the most important thing that that I wanted to do, um, I wanted people start to, you know, uh, I, like I said, there, there's, a, there's a billion more smart people than me uh, in this country. And I just want to I, I think we need to get the conversation started about college basketball. Um, I know everyone's worried about college football, rightfully so. Um, it's around the corner. Uh, but I think we need to start being proactive and and how we're looking at our season and how we're looking to protect our players, how we're going to do things. And uh, so when we are having the conversation, I think it's very important that we are proactive uh, in how we do things.
0: Let's spin off that because particularly at Seton Hall, that's a basketball first school and a basketball first conference in the big East. And as you enter your 11th season at the helm with the pirates, what is the continual value that you see Having the sport that is the priority on
2: your campus, well you know again John you know this is I think it you know obviously no one talks about anything else besides you know covid nineteen and for for uh for good reason, but you know you know mentally physically um this is what my guys want to do um they want to play basketball um this has been what they've worked for uh since they were very young and you know the uncertainty i think has been very very damaging to a lot of people uh, mentally and physically and for i think the main thing for us as a university and as a program is uh and i think we've made gro- gro- unbelievable steps especially tony Tester, our trainer our team doctors um, you know we've really focused during this last three months on the mental health of our players and um, I think, you know, we really need to start looking at, you know, what is uh, the best thing for our young men and, uh, mentally and physically, you know, it's playing basketball and finding a way to do it safely. And there there are ways to do it. I mean, if there's, if you, if you go, there, there's ways to do it. I just think, you know, for, from a mental standpoint, um, that's what I'm really looking at. And I love the fact that Seton Hall is really being proactive in, in, Making sure that our guys are healthy and safe, not just from COVID, but from everything else. I mean, there's so many other things out there that we have to worry about, and I, that's one reason why I love St. Hall is that they're very active and they're, you know in protecting protecting my guys.
0: Is that that whole idea, Coach? And correct me if I'm wrong. Where, if you can play basketball, and there's ways to do it, from what you're saying, what you don't want is the effects of COVID-19 or these side effects, which would be, you know, doom and gloom that you wouldn't play basketball to be worse than the virus itself. Is that, is it fair to say that that that's the idea that you're trying to find solutions rather than create more problems?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Johnny. I mean, I, again, I think that's been part of the problem where we are right now as a country. Um, I just think, you know, at this point with the data we have, the stats that we have, uh, um, you know to you know we should be game planning the heck out of this right now, um and that's kinda the way Tony Tess and I have done this from the start is um from late March, Tony and I have been constantly working on a game plan um going through the data, going through what works, going through um everything on a daily basis to come up with a game plan um to lead you know to lead in this um so from our standpoint, you know, again, being aggressive, um, not just blindly, but being aggressive with a – it's almost like, you know, a war plan, you know, a game plan, you know, and that's what we do for a living. And so we look at stats. We, we look at what what's going on. We look at how to safely protect our guys. Um, and, again, it's, it's just not from COVID. It's, it's from everything. And so, uh, like I said, I, I feel blessed to have such a great trainer and Tony Testa, who is extremely smart. Um, But what we have decided to do is is to game plan against us um, and try our best to win. Um, We might not, but at least we're being aggressive and coming up with an aggressive game plan uh, to try to, again, best safely play basketball and, again, uh, give our guys the best chance to do what they want to do.
0: Tony Testa, the director of sports medicine at Seton Hall. He's been there since October 2009, and we're joined by Kevin Willard, the head coach of Seton Hall. And, Kevin, in terms of the biggest basketball storyline, let's, let's go to the world of college basketball. You have a six foot 11 star that's capable of a big season if he comes back, but has a big decision to make in terms of what he could do going pro. And that's Sandro Mamukelashvili. What can you tell us about his upcoming decision?
2: Yeah, John, it's, it's, we're doing the same thing we did with Miles last year. Um, you know, we're we're going through the process. We're trying to get as much information. We're going to make an educated decision uh, at the end of the day. And Sandro is, uh, I think he's really matured through this process. I think this process has been great for him. Um, It's given him a lot of info about his game, about him personally. I think, you know, I've seen great growth from Sandro during this time. Uh, And, you know, when the time is, when he, you know, time is making an educated decision, he's going to make one and, you know, uh, he'll let everybody know what he's going to do when he makes that decision.
0: The deadline being August 3rd, do you think that that's enough time?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, I mean, John, I mean, if you're an NBA guy, and you don't know what you're doing and, you know, you shouldn't have a job. Um, you know, usually the draft's, the draft's over by now and you're in summer league and you're playing and you're getting ready for free agency. So, uh, you know, it, it, at this point, it's it's almost like, you know, you're just repeating repeating stuff. Um, you know, it, it, if you can't, if you can't watch film and you don't know what's going on and you don't know who you want on your team as an NBA general manager, I think you got issues. So I think it's plenty of time. I'm glad Dan still wouldn't move back, uh, the date. Uh, but you know, at this point, you know, you should know what you're doing.
0: Here's the, perhaps the biggest question in this process that it's tough for any coach or player to predict, but in your mind, How much does the season start date impact Sandro's decision?
2: I don't think the season start date has anything to do with it. I mean, if you start a little bit later, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. But if we're not going to have a season, well, you know, I I wouldn't let him come back to school. Uh, I would just tell him to go. Um, So, I mean, I think there's – I think, again, you'll have so much more information within – Next couple weeks and so something like that. So I mean, even if he even if he decides to come back and then they say in September he's not gonna, they're not gonna have a season. I would tell him just just do your school online and go and and go become a free agent because that's what it become anyway. So um, I think there's a lot of options here. We're not stuck on just the August 3rd date. Um, I don't think anybody is because the NBA is going to start so much later next year. Um, So again, I think I think it's going to be a fluid situation. It's just not a drop that date in my mind.
0: Let's turn to Miles Powell. Your NBA draft hopeful, you're all American. What do you tell an NBA GM who's asking can what he did in college translate
2: to the pros? You know, John, what 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 I've been telling everybody is, you know, put, put him on your team cuz he's going to help you win games. Um, you know, it, he might not be uh, the most sexy athlete, he might not might not have a, a six nine wingspan, he might not, but the dude's going to get your buckets and he's going to help you win games. And at the end of the day, uh, everyone in sports needs to win games. You know, if you don't win games, you know you you get fired. So um, I think that's one reason why you see so many people get fired in sports is because they they fall in love with analytics or they fall in love with a guy's wingspan or a guy can jump. Um, Basketball is not about you know we don't play track and field. You know, um the one thing I love about this sport is you know it you need guys to put the ball in the bucket, and miles Powell does that better than anyone I've seen in a long, long time um if you put him out there with some really, really great players, he can help space the floor um you know he can he can play defense um he can do the things that he you know, he can do it good enough uh that he's he's gonna help you win games and you know, it, it's funny. It, it, so many so many people have asked me about, you know, what's his true height? And, what, and I'm like, what, what does it really matter if he's putting the ball in the bucket? Um, you know, he's a bucket getter. And he's a great young man. He's been a great ambassador ambassador to Seton Hall. Uh, you know, just all around, just a, he's got the all-around package. So that's kind of what I've been talking to all the NBA guys about. Um, you know, I just don't get into the... I'm a little bit old school where I think analytics and all this other stuff is just blown way out of proportion. Um, to me, if a guy can help you win a game, that's the most important important standard there is.
0: Was it weird walking into the gym today and not seeing him?
2: <laughs> no, because he's always complaining about <laughs> what type of food we have in the locker room. Or uh, I've done this drill 300,000 times. Why do I have to do it again? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, it was weird not seeing all my seniors. You know, it's I miss Rowe and Quincy and uh, you know, everyone, you know, and MP, but you know, I think that's that's one thing I I, I really enjoy about college basketball, is you know, it's exciting to see Dominguez walking to the gym. Um, you know, you get you see your freshmen and uh Bryce Aiken and you know, new guys. Uh so that was exciting. So from that standpoint, um, you know, you miss your old guys but you really get excited when you see your new guys. Dominguez
0: Stevens uh, being a three-star incoming freshman, him and Jahari Long uh, joining the Pirates this upcoming year. Let's stick with Bryce Aiken, coach. Coming over from Harvard, somebody that you have a great relationship with. You know, one thing that you've done with players, transfers, is always develop them, get them to grow into the next phase. What do you see in Bryce Aiken's game that you want to hone in on to have him take his game to an even bigger level heading into his final season?
2: but I, th- I think the biggest thing with Bryce for us is, you know, first and foremost, get him, get him healthy. You know, he's really battled the injury bug, unfortunately, um, for the last couple of years at Harvard. And, you know, for us, what we're, what we really focused on with Bryce is, you know, rehab and getting him as strong um, physically and getting his body as, as good, as good as possible. And, you know, I give him tremendous credit. He is, um, he's worked virtually with Tony. Um, he's been since we've been back on campus. He's been able to work out. His body looks great. Um, I think for the biggest biggest thing for for me is just to give give uh, Bryce the platform um, to grow. You know, give him a big platform. Give him give him the opportunity to grow and, and put some guys around him that are going to help him uh, expand his game. You know, and he's gonna. I think he's gonna really like playing with our roster because. Uh, we have some guys that can shoot. We have some guys that can go one on one. We have some a great big guys. So um, that's really the, the, our main focus right now with Bryce. Where's his health right now? Good standing or pretty good. I mean, I, I mean, he worked out today. Um, you know, with you know, he only did he didn't do it with the the other guards, but he did it by himself. He looks good. He looks strong. Um, you know, he's he's got such a great positive attitude. Um, he's he's a terrific young man, and you know obviously he's smarter than everybody in the room. So it's it's exciting. I'm excited to to have him here and see see what he's capable.
0: of. I'm curious here heading into 2020, 2021 because when you have a player as good as Miles Powell, a lot of what you do is featured around him. So for some players, their roles are just going to naturally increase. Not to not to pick one or two. I know that you probably have several candidates, but I, I'm curious here to fill in the blank. The potential unsung hero of this Seton Hall team that can rise up for the coming season is.
2: Oh, I don't know. That that that's something for message boards, Johnny. Um, all <laughs> I know, all all I know is there, there's a, there's thirty shots coming down the pipeline. You know, from what Miles Quincy and Roe took in. Uh I, I, th- I just think everyone's gonna see a, a big growth from a lot of these guys. Um you know, obviously, you know, I think Jared Roden and Tyree Samuels are gonna have monster years. Um I think is gonna be the best power forward in co- in, in college basketball. I think Miles Kale moving over to the two guard spots and give him more opportunities to make plays. Um I think you're gonna see some I think you're gonna see the same kind of growth Roe had with Ike. Um, I love to call Mosin's toughness. I think, you know, again, not a lot of people are talking about him, but he's got a toughness, um, like an Alpha Diallo type of guy who can post up, who can do some one-on-one stuff. Um, And then, you know, obviously, I think you a guy like Shavar Reynolds is going to get a lot more minutes um, playing. You know, again, it's going to change the way we look defensively. Um, So, I mean, again, I I think all these guys are going to have a great opportunity I think they're going to see more. Obviously, going to see a lot more shots, a lot more opportunities, and I think they're, I think you're going to see a much more balanced attack. And I think, you know, what I love about the roster more than anything is, you know, we can play so many different ways. We can go really big. Um, if I wanted to go, you know, Ike, Sandro, Jared, Tock, um, you know, that that's a huge lineup. Or we can go small. Uh, so, you know, I, I really like the the complexities of this lineup.
0: Ike Iko Biago, the seven footer, talk to Kyle Molson, the Canisius transfer. And Kevin, as we take a look at, at some rapid fire here, before we wrap things up, uh, let's, let's go down the, the line here. Life in the big East. What's your one word description for coaching in this league?
2: Brutality. Wow. That's, it's, that's bru- powerful.
0: it's brutal,
2: Johnny. It's, it's brutal. I mean, it, it's, um, I think we have, as you know, in the conference, um, as balance of coaching as there is. There, there's really never a night where you go in and be like, you know, we really don't have to prepare for this guy. You know, he runs cross ring downs for You know, where they just run all this. Um, I think the coaching in this conference is elite. Um, you know, and I think the great thing about the Big East is that you always are playing against a veteran, seasoned team. Um, you know, which uh, I mean, guys know how to play the game. They know their roles. They know defensively what they're doing. Uh, it's just, you know, there, there's never a night off in this league, and it's it's just brutal. Okay, this is the I mean, question. It's fun, it's you, fun from a player standpoint. but like You you asked about a coaching standpoint. So I asked about uh, coaching. It's fun to cover. Yeah, coaching.
0: There's some great cities in this league. It's a fun league to but cover. I mean,
2: I, I, I agree. I mean, this is, you know, I – there's Some really good beer gardens, you know, Italian restaurants. We got it all. I mean, we covered, it's, you know, it's all major cities, which I really love. I mean, Omaha's got great steakhouses, you know, Providence with the Italian, New York City. I mean, just you go right down the list. I mean, it's uh, every major city, you know, it, which is really great. The travel is great. The hotels are great. Um, I think we have great fan bases. So, I mean, it, it's it's a unique experience playing in this contract. It's, it's phenomenal.
0: Speaking of fan bases, this is a question that fans will appreciate, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts. How would you define the state of the Garden State rivalry between Seton Hall and Rutgers?
2: Oh, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, I think the job Steve is doing at Rutgers, and, you know, obviously with their leadership with, with Pat Hobbs, um, I think they have they really, really done a great job of getting that program back um to where um where it should be to be honest with you at being a state school in this in this, in this area um and i think you know the s- success we've had over the last five or six years and to where they are trending as a program uh i just think it, it's been phenomenal um and i think you know it, it's it's always a great and tough game and, and you know it always has been uh, it was much different when we played each other twice in the conference um that that was just that now that we're playing once a year i just think it puts that much more emphasis on it uh and i think it's a truly great rival game
0: you know it's baseball opening week and you talked about your son playing baseball are you still coaching
2: (laughs) uh no i had to give that up johnny um my, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm trying to get my 13, my 12 players to listen to me. Um, I, I think I've given up on my two boys trying to listen to me on baseball. So um, I like to sit out in the outfield. I put, I get a nice lounge chair. Um, I get my New York post. I read the post when my kid comes up, I cheer from him. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I, I just, I, I, you know, these four months have been extremely difficult, but the one thing I've really enjoyed is, uh, having dinner every night with my family so that's a it's been a that experience in itself has been you know has been unbelievable
0: okay before I let you go we had Mick Cronin on about a month and a half ago
2: and I asked you know, him I I know he didn't buy you dinner No. because I mean it, you know I Nick's one of my closest friends who's one of the best coaches in college basketball but don't ever expect him to pick up a tab again.
0: <laughs> so we asked him uh, who he would want to quarantine with in a house for two weeks, and I think he um, he said Rick Patino, He said you and I. I forget who his third was. I, I've got our producer Mike. Mike, do you remember who his third was here? as we anyways, he said he would want you to be there because it, it would you know one, it said it make him feel better about about his head of hair. And he said that you would probably keep him fit as well. But then he said that uh, he he kind of knocked you around a little bit. He he, he said that uh, you leave all your recruiting up to your assistants, and and so I just wanted to give you a chance to respond to the head coach of the UCLA Bruins.
2: Oh, I just I just responded. I mean, I'd love to quarantine with Mick. I mean, we would we would smoke cigars and bet on horses all day long because that's all he does <laughs> in his office. I, it, <laughs> he FaceTimed me the other day, and and he got he TVG going. He had cigars, and his staff was all sitting around. I said, "Boy, it's good to be a UCLA Bruin." Uh, you know, but no, Mick is <laughs> Mick is one of the best. Um, he he's done what he did at Cincinnati, and the run he had at Cincinnati is is off the charts. Uh, I don't think it I don't think it could ever be done again. So um, one of the best, one of my very dear good friends, and I, he can rib me all he wants because I deserve it.
0: Bob Huggins was the third guy that that he said he would quarantine with. So it would be you, Tino Huggins. I would
2: love yeah. to quarantine with Huggins. <laughs> <laughs> who who I can wouldn't only imagine how much fun that is?
0: Who wouldn't? Kevin, thanks for the time. Good luck here with workouts, and hope you, your program, everybody stays safe and healthy.
2: Johnny boy, you too, my man. It's always good to hear from you.
0: Thanks again to Kevin Willard for taking the time this week, and we talked about that rivalry between Seton Hall and Rutgers. It has been a long time since both programs. In fact, it's a rarity that both programs are successful simultaneously. They were both on track to make the NCAA tournament. Rutgers was hovering around the bubble this past season. There is no doubt, provided that we've got college basketball, which I think we all, we all believe in some way, shape, or form we'll have it, that Rutgers is a top 25 team heading into the upcoming season with Geo Baker and company leading the way. Seton Hall expects to be an NCAA tournament team for the Garden State for New Jersey College Hoops. The times are great, and they haven't been this good in quite some time. Rutgers hasn't been to the tournament since the early 90s. And Seton Hall, this recent run of success, is actually one of their greatest runs of success in the over 100-year history of the program. But that brings up the idea that's a Big East-Big Ten rivalry. If you have conference-only schedules in college basketball, think about this. Louisville, Kentucky, Cincinnati, Xavier, Georgetown, Syracuse, the Crossroads Classic in Indiana, which features the likes of Indiana, Purdue, Notre Dame, and Butler, those four schools get together. Even something like a Kansas-Missouri, even though it's, it's not as great uh, in terms of the, the profile of Missouri, Still, those types of interstate clashes, you know, those conference challenges, those things are going to be out of the question here for the upcoming college basketball season. and a college hoop season without a Louisville Kentucky showdown just it feels strange, it feels weird. But that's potentially what you're facing now, here's the positive note. Willard suggested that the conference only schedule could be similar to the length of a regular schedule. So his suggestion was 26 games. Could we see Duke, North Carolina three times? I don't think anybody would be opposed to that. Who would be opposed to that? You know, as a league, you probably could set up your your conference schedule a little bit differently and create some more flair, especially for those TV deals, which God only knows, television networks are going to want the very best. Uh, They feel like they're owed that because of the amount of sports that's been absent. I think that this ties along. I'll make a quick college football note. I think one thing that people need to consider about college sports in general is that your conference schedule that you're supposed to be playing right now, if you're a college football fan, if you're a college basketball fan, whatever, the schedule that you've had, don't take that too seriously right now. Because if you're a conference, you're probably going to try to regionalize things as much as humanly possible. So I think we could see this fall, football schedules were primarily a college hoops schedule, but we could see a, a, a college hoops podcast, rather. We could see some college football schedules get maneuvered to make it safer and keep from a Michigan going all the way to Rutgers or to Maryland, trying to make those trips more manageable, trying to make things make more sense. We'll see if that happens, but it's just proof, folks. There's so much stuff that needs to get figured out. And I think no coach wants to admit this in college basketball, but at the end of the day, they're going to try to go as closely as they can off of college football. If college football works to some degree, it makes it more manageable for a November start date in college basketball. In my mind, if we don't have a college football season, I just don't see how you're playing college basketball in the first week of November. Maybe that'll change. Maybe the information will change. Maybe we'll be able to play some bubble games. Maybe conferences will bubble up and do their games that way, save travel dollars of having to make road trips to different cities, get a bunch of games in underneath the conference bubble. It's certainly a, it's a possibility. Some leagues may be thinking about it. I'm sure it's been brought up. And if the NBA has success, here's the thing. At the end of the day, these pro leagues have to have success for college sports to be played. Because if you're a university president, there's no chance you're signing off on your sports to get played if the NBA can't work. And that's why we're waiting with bated breath for the end of July as we record here, 10 days away, a little bit more than a week away. Can't wait. Can't wait for the NBA. And we've got you covered here on Pure Hoops Media with several different shows that are going to be talking all sorts of things in the world of NBA basketball. Maybe we'll even do a, a little showcase of some. Great former college players doing something in the bubble. Uh, We're always swirling ideas here around uh, on Full Core Press. Many more to come. We've had some fun guests here the last week with Tom Izzo, Kevin Willard, Bill Raftery, Chris Beard. It's been a lot of fun. You can check all those shows out. As another episode of Full Core Press with Fantan Adams is in the books, thanks again to Kevin Willard for spending time with us. Thanks also to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Ben Wolf it ends the show. We always appreciate his contributions. You can check out our other Pure Hoops media shows, Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong. That drops each Wednesday. Each Thursday, Monica McNutt and King McClure drop by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Every Friday, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday. And we'll be back every Tuesday with Full Court Press. Check out our shows. Download them. Rate, review them. Most of all. Enjoy them. and hope everybody continues to stay safe and healthy. Enjoy the basketball that is oh so close. We've got you covered. We'll see you next week on Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams.
1: Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.